0: some time ago i read a story that sort of brought home to me how many times we try to please the lord in the flesh and we end up blowing it in the spirit how many times we think how we know how to please the lord in our walk with him and in reality we are really not pleasing him at all let me tell you the story so you can understand what i'm trying to tell you mom was sick and in bed And her little girl so much wanted to help. I mean, she really wanted to be a big helper to mommy. So she brought her a magazine and then uh, fluffed her pillow. And um, finally, she thought she might do something really big. So she disappeared for a while. And then she came back a few minutes later with a cup of tea. And the mother was so amazed. She was so surprised. And she said, Darling, that is really nice, and I didn't even know how, you, you know how to make tea. And she said, oh, Mommy, yes, I've been watching you making tea all the time. All these years I've been watching you. I first put the tea leaves in the pan, and then I added water. And when it comes to the boil, I put the strainer on the cup, and I strained the leaves. She said, well, that's wonderful. She said, only one thing. I couldn't find a strainer, so I used a fly swatter. And as the mother spotted out the last (laughs) sip of tea that she was drinking, she said, oh, mommy, don't worry. I used the old one. I didn't use the new one. (laughs) (laughs) And how many of us sometimes, the children of the living God, try to please God our way? How many times, as children of the living God, We try to do things in our own efforts instead of being in His power. How many times we try things in the flesh instead of in the Spirit. How many times we try to do things with our own brilliant mind and our own ideas. And then we blow it and we wonder why. I want you to turn with me please to Luke chapter 15. Now, most preachers through the years have always focused on the strong-willed, the defiant boy. That's why we call him the prodigal. In fact, that is why the prodigal son story is very well known, because preachers through the years have focused all of their attention on that one boy and left out the older boy who stayed home. Do you know why? Because most people who are churchgoers... I like the older boy and not the younger one. I'm going to explain that to you in a minute. So look with me, please, because today I want to look at those who are outwardly compliant, those who try to keep the laws and the rules, those who do the outside things without a change of the heart. And there is a message that Jesus drives home into the lives of those Pharisees, The Pharisees whom Jesus called like sepulchres, they are painted white on the outside, but inside there is dead corpse. And outside may look good to people, but it's the inside that God cares about. Beginning at verse 25 of Luke chapter 15. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Oh, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he's got him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you. And I never disobeyed your orders, and you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your properties with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. Oh, my son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and is found. Most people see the outwardly compliant son to be far more respectable than his defiant, disobedient. Rebellious brother who went into the far country. As I said, that's because most church going folks identify with the older boy than they do with the younger son. But the truth is this both the strong willed, defiant son and the outwardly compliant son were parodicals. Both needed grace, both needed salvation, both needed repentance. Both needed a change of heart. True, the older boy stayed home. Oh, but his heart was in the far country. He may have gone to church, but he was thinking about what he's going to do after church. True, he outwardly kept all the rules on the outside, but his heart was filled with bitterness and resentment. True, he went to church, sang in the choir, sowed no wild oats, wasted no money. But he had a loveless and legalistic heart. He had an unforgiving heart. He had a bitter heart. True, he did not run away, but he stuffed all of his bitterness. He stuffed all of his anger deep down in his heart that he himself even could not get in touch with his stuffed anger until the moment came. And his brother came home, and the father was celebrating. And so as I conclude this series of four messages, calling it Parenting Nine One One, I want to tell you that godly parenting requires our discernment of both traits in our children, those who are strong willed and those who are outwardly compliant. Parenting nine one one is always careful lest we mistake outwardly compliant children for true love for Jesus Christ. You know throughout the series of messages if I if I've been trying to lift up one thing high to moms and dads and grandparents is this. Focus on the parenting of the heart of the child, not just the outward performance. Focus on parenting of the inside world of your child, not just the outside. Focus on parenting for belief that is able to transform the outward conduct and not just the outward performance. If you ask me, what was the most important task that I felt as a parent in the last three decades, with all of the mistakes I've made, and I've shared many of them with you, With all of the difficulties, I can tell you without a second's hesitation that my primary call as a father, as a parent, was to help my children develop a heart for God. I did not just want my kids to be Christians. I want my kids to grow up to love Jesus. I wanted my kids to grow up delighting themselves in the Lord. I wanted them to not just be church goers, but that they may have passion for the glory of God. And through the years, I have seen parents who have come to this church, and I have seen parents who have gone from this church. And I've seen parents who came until their children got through the student program, and as soon as their kids graduated, they've gone. In fact, I'll never forget a statement that was made to me on a parent's night when I was there just as a parent. And a mother was talking to me, whom I have not seen before, and she said, we've been coming to church, and the reason we've really been coming to church, because we are just hoping that our kids will go through the students' program, and that they would go through their teen years without getting into too much mischief. Well, I can tell you, the moment that young man, her son, graduated, both mom and dad disappeared, as well as the boy. He walked out on God, and they walked out on the church. But listen to me. This is very important. Just about every statistics that I have read is showing that less than 60% of kids who grow up in biblically sound churches, who grow up in evangelical churches... Less than 60% remain in these churches. What is the secret? What is the secret for this incredible discrepancy? I want to tell you what the secret is. The secret is the parents. Kids are watching their parents. And if the parents do not have a real and genuine love for God, if the parents do not personally know God, if the parents do not develop love for God, The kids will have a hard time sustaining the emotions, sustaining the knowledge that they have received in the church. Now, it's true. We can never make our children love God. It's impossible. We cannot do that. We cannot force our children to love God, but I can tell you what we can do. We can put them on the road that's going to lead them into falling in love with Jesus we can create the environment where they can see the joy and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ working in us, and they say, I want to fall in love with Jesus like my parents. In the last message, we talked about dealing with the strong-willed child. Today, I want to talk about the outwardly compliant children. Please listen very carefully. There are two things that I want to share with you that are applicable specifically to the outwardly compliant children. Number one, pray with them. Pray with them. Of course, you pray for them. That's taken for granted. Pray with them. You say, Michael, well, that's obvious. Nothing new here. Well, let me tell you why. I've heard parents who say something like this. I guess the only thing left now for me is to pray. No, 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 brother, listen. Sister, Listen. The best thing, the first thing, the main thing to do is to pray with your children, especially those who are outwardly compliant, especially those who are not rebellious, especially those who are not self-strong-willed. And I'm going to tell you why. Are you listening to me? An outwardly compliant child is more inclined to stuff his or her feelings deep down. An outwardly compliant child is more likely to hide their emotions. An outwardly compliant child is more often than not, they will keep to themselves. And they will not open up. And that is why it is vitally important for mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, listen to me, it is vitally important for them to hear your intimacy with God. It is very important for them to hear your intimacy with your heavenly daddy. To let them observe you and copy you, expressing your love for Jesus Christ. To let them watch you, unburden your soul before the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that will help them to emulate you. That will help them to copy you. That will help them being able to get things off their chest. Instead of stuffing them in, they will learn how to get them out and place them at the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like giving them wings. In the beginning, they will try to copy you, and they may fail, but that's all right. You did too. But let them have a role model in someone Who's intimate with his and her heavenly Father? Let them understand that there is power when they claim the promise of God and the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Secondly, tell them the Bible story often. It is vitally important, particularly for that quiet child. I don't mean Bible stories, which is fantastic, is wonderful. We told our children Bible stories all the time. That's great. But I'm talking about the Bible story. Tell them the story of creation. Tell them the story of the fall and of sin. Tell them the story of redemption. Tell them the story of the new creation in Christ. Tell them always and often Your story of how God saved you, how God redeemed you, how God welcomed you. Tell them and show them that you found your identity in Christ and not in trinkets and not in positions and not in legalism. Tell them why you are sure that the moment you're going to close your eyes in death, you're going to be seeing Jesus face to face. Tell them and show them what pleases God and what does not. Tell them and show them how you repent when you fail. Because that will show them how to repent when they fail. Tell them and show them how you experienced the grace of God when you don't deserve it and did not deserve it. Tell them and show them how God is more concerned with the heart and the change of the heart and the obedience of the heart than all of the outward performances in the world. Tell them and show them how God loves inward change of the heart and not just the outward appearances. Josh McDowell wrote a significant book a few years ago. Tells us why four out of five children look good Christians. They drop out of the church before they graduate from high school. The reason? Many children are in the church, but they're not in Jesus Christ. That's the secret. You see that listen I'm a pastor I love the church but moms and dad let me tell you something the task is greater than just bringing kids to church and the one reason why these kids drop out is because they've never been put on the road of how to fall in love with Jesus I can tell you all we can do as a church and as ministries of children and and students is to preach the truth, is to proclaim the truth, is to model the truth. But listen to me, it is only mom and dad's job to model the truth for them. It is not enough for children to be found in the church. They must be found in Christ. And so pray with your outwardly compliant children. Secondly, tell them, the Bible's story. I want you to look with me again at this outwardly compliant boy in Luke 15. I want you to look at this incredible reaction he had when he came home and found his father rejoicing at the return and the repentance of his defiant brother. See, the older boy thought that outwardly keeping of the laws... Outwardly appearing good <laughs> while his heart is in the far country, is what really going to earn him the love of his Father. Listen to me, Jesus is not just telling a story here; this is so deep he 's trying to let you, whether you are five or fifty five or eighty five to understand the heart of your heavenly Father, and that is why he told this story. He was showing that this person who may be a church goer, who may be a church member, he may be even leader in the denomination, that he was going through the motions, all the outward things, but his heart was in the far country. His heart was far away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why, hear me right on this one, that is why when his brother came back, he could not have the heart to forgive him because his heart was full of bitterness. Oh, he was home, all right, but his heart was full of bitterness and anger. Listen to me. There is nothing that can make you identify with your heavenly Father than your willingness to forgive a person when he or she repents. Do you want me to repeat that? There is nothing that makes you identify with your heavenly father than being willing to forgive a person when he or she repents. And the older boy's refusal to forgive his brother brought to the surface all of that pent-up anger that is being stuffed inside of him for all these years. It was able to bring all that stuff that he's been carrying. What was it? Oh, he was carrying a lot of stuff. He was carrying bitterness. He was carrying jealousy. He was carrying feeling of being taken for granted. Oh, yeah, he was resenting being home. He was resenting obeying his father. He was resenting everything he's doing. He's going through the motions. But deep down, there's no change of heart. And that is why he had a hard time forgiving his brother when he repented. Hear me right on this one. When you choose to forgive, you unlock the handcuffs of hatred. You open the doors of heaven to far greater blessings than you could ever imagine. You soar to greater heights, not just in life but even in health. You defeat and scorn the enemy of your soul. All happens when you learn to forgive. You see, the Pharisees sitting there listening to Jesus, and they're really getting irritated with Him. And you see that if you read further on. I mean, they were really miffed, because He knew He was getting at them, who <laughs> keeping all the outward laws. But their heart was far from God. And so, in a Middle Eastern culture, the older son is the one who's supposed to preside over social gatherings, over family celebrations. That's his task. That is his calling. It's the calling of the older boy to do that. (laughs) But this boy failed in his leadership. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because he failed in the area of forgiveness. From the father's point of view, listen to me, from the father's point of view, The outwardly compliant child and the defiant child are both parodicals. And that is why now you see the Father coming out the second time in one day, twice in one day. First, he humiliated himself, as I told you in the past message, and ran to receive and forgive his repentant son. And now he's humiliating himself for the second time. You say, what's humiliating about the father going out to plead with his angry son? Listen to me. (laughs) It is an impossibility in the context of the culture in which Jesus was speaking. The father never pleads with the son. The son pleads with the father. But the father never. That is the most humiliating. It's the most embarrassing It's the biggest insult that you can lay on a father that he would go out first run to receive his repentant younger boy and then he goes out again in order that he may plead with his older son. Beloved, listen to me. Listen to me. This is of vital importance. Because when Jesus Christ, God of very God and human flesh, When He left heaven and came to earth, and there He hung on the cross, He died for the outwardly rebellious person as well as the inwardly rebellious person. He died for the outwardly defiant and the inwardly resentful. He died for all who are physically in the far country and those who are spiritually in the far country. He died for the one who ran away from God and came back, and he died for the one who stayed in the church but never received Jesus Christ as the Savior of his life. He died for all, and he welcomes all. That is the message. That's it. We have no other message. We have no other gospel. Most observers through the years understood this story that Jesus tells, that the older boy represented the Jew in the Old Testament, the Pharisees who have kept all the outward laws and rituals, but their heart was far from God. And the younger son represents Those who are descendant of Esau, the Gentiles. Those who have ran away from God. Those who have rejected God. Those who have lived in the far country. And I want you to hear me right on this one. But when God came from heaven, He opened the door to Jew and Gentile alike. He opened the door of salvation to those who thought that salvation is through keeping the rituals and those who did not know anything at all. He died for both because both needed salvation. What an incredible story to tell your children. What a remarkable story to teach your children, whether they are strong-willed or whether they are outwardly compliant, that they would know that God loves them Equally, That God is only pleased with them when they receive His grace. (laughs) That God desires above all else that their hearts be turned toward Him. That God is not impressed like people with outward appearances. That God cannot be deceived by outward performance. That God is only honored when life is totally surrendered to Him. What a remarkable story. And you know, only the Christian faith that can talk and tell the story of grace, because only the Christian faith is all about grace. I'm going to tell you this true story, and I'm going to conclude, and hope that I illustrate what I'm trying to tell you. A man by the name of Ludwig Normanson was a missionary— to the Batak people. He was a veteran missionary over in Indonesia. And he went there. He studied the culture. He learned the language. He tried hard to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he kept running into one brick wall after another, one hindrance after another. And Normanson, after a number of years, he studied the laws and studied their culture and discovered so many nice and noble things about their culture, some good, noble laws in their religion. Pagan religion, basically, animistic. And just as was dejected and disappointed and about to go home, right at that point, the chief of the Batak people sent for him. And so, he comes before the chief. And the chief said to him, Why should we embrace your religion? Why should we become Christians? We have laws just as good as your laws. Our laws say that you must not lie or cheat. Our law said that you must not take your neighbor's wife. Our laws said many good things. In fact, when somebody breaks the law, we punish them severely. Why should we embrace Christianity? And kind of in a Holy Spirit moment, Normanson had this literal revelation, right on the spot. You know how God can provide you with an answer like that? He wasn't even prepared for it. He said, yes, sir, I have studied your laws, so many good things about it. But our master gives us power to keep his commandments. At that moment, the chief became so intrigued about that power, he wanted to know more. And after six months, he was baptized into Christ. And thousands of the Barak people became believers. Today, there are over a million Barak believers in Indonesia because of the uniqueness of the Christian faith. We don't have to do it alone, because every time we try, we're going to strain the tea with the flash water. But only the grace of God that can empower us to obey God. Children of God, whether they are old or young, from every tribe and every language, from every nation, desperate to know the grace of God. They are desperate to know the God of power and might that we worship. They are desperate to know Because, beloved friend, let me tell you something. Every religion has rules. Every religion has rules. Ah, but only the Christian faith is the faith that is only possible by you receiving the grace of God. That's it. Will you receive the grace of God today? If you have never come to the point in your life of realizing that all of your outward obedience is going nowhere, then you're ready to surrender and receive the greatest blessing of all, the grace of God. Father, it is impossible for our minds to comprehend that the God of the universe loves us so and constantly keeps sending us message of grace that we may respond to it. But, Father, I pray that today this message would not be used as evidence against somebody who will reject it, but will be a springboard to bring those who don't know you, those who have never surrendered to you, those whose hearts have never been regenerated, those who have never been born again, to be born again today. And so that heaven may rejoice, and they be blessed, and they begin their way to heaven.